Chris Wendelkin, and this is On The Line, the NBA Finals podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, you can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. Find me on Instagram. Uh, send me any of your NBA Finals questions, thoughts, analysis, whatever it is, to OnTheLinePod at gmail.com. Check out previous episodes on our website, OnTheLinePodcast.com. Hop into a deep dive. Check out an old draft. It's all up there. Last, if you could rate, review, subscribe to the show in Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. I greatly appreciate it. All right, guys, we're back. Incredibly, we are here for Game 5. It's Monday morning. Uh, The Toronto Raptors, the purple dinosaur Toronto Raptors are going to try to close out things against the Golden State Warriors tonight. What an incredible series it's been. Uh, Twists and turns. Uh, Last week we talked, it was one game to one. one. Uh, Andre Iguodala had just hit a dagger three. And uh, my oh my, how how things have changed in, in just a week here. So the Toronto Raptors trying to close things out tonight in game five. On the show today, uh, Ben, Craw, and I are talking about uh, all things from the past week. We're previewing Game 5 tonight, talking all things Durant. We're talking Serge Ibaka. We're talking Kawhi Leonard. We're talking Curry and Thompson and Boogie and Kerr's adjustments and Nick Nurse, the dork. And uh, it's a good old time. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with our co-host, the one, the only, Ben Craw. All right, it is uh, it's Monday morning. We're back on the line with Ben Craw ahead of Game Five of the 2019 NBA Finals. Ben, last Whoop. we talked, the Raptors and Warriors were deadlocked, one game to one. Boogie Cousins had a brilliant game. Andre Iguodala hit a dagger three. The Warriors were feeling fine. They were back in the series, but my oh my, how how things can change in just a, a few short days, huh? Yeah, it's wild. It's like every time we record, it's a completely different story. Um, it's it's pretty insane. Yeah, I, mean, I think we talked about this uh, probably on the last podcast, or maybe it was just in texting back and forth this week. It seems like, you know, one, one of the themes of this series is like you can't... We've never really been able to get a feel for, like, trends in the series. Like, it's leaning this way. It's leaning that way. It seems like each game was its own isolated thing. Right. And I think, like, over the last few days, we are starting to see Toronto pulling away a bit here. And we are starting to, like, draw some more definitive conclusions. But, man, I mean, it, it was just an incredible sea change of a week. I mean, game four was pretty much like a defining marker here. And uh, so now yeah. here we are, game five. I feel a little bit like I remember when we spoke last after following game two, we were like, oh, it's a good thing that we didn't record after game one um, right. because it was such a crazy kind of emotional victory. Yeah, we'll just, yeah, um, yeah. And I was like, you know, it was a, it was a much more uh, kind of measured and prudent approach to, to give it a couple games to get a feel for the series um and now i kind of feel the same way where i mean all of the kind of chatter and reaction going on uh right now is just this like outpouring of like holy shit can you believe like what is happening and and it's happening so fast and i can't believe the raptors are only one game away and yada 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 meanwhile i kind of feel like um I am, I am, uh, as much as I like, like emotionally want to get swept up in that, uh, I've, I feel a little bit like I am trying to, um, to personify the attitude or adopt the attitude of the Raptors themselves, who I think, uh, in one of the most, uh, sort of impressive and like telling, 
um, displays of behavior following game five. Uh, I'm sure you saw the video of them like walking back, uh, or no, fo- yeah, following game four, uh, walking back into the locker room, totally stoic, stone faced, you know, no celebration, no smiles whatsoever, just right. like all about their business. And yeah. I kind of feel like until this thing is a done deal, um, I, I, I want to kind of, uh, kind of kind of roll with that uh attitude because it's yeah like we could easily get like well ahead of ourselves and make this entire episode um about you know how how crazy this is and it's already crazy i mean no matter what um but uh but i'm like sort of trying to hold something back a little bit and and leave and leave something in a tank uh for whatever happens next because the other thing is what kind of struck me or what like um what sort of fully dawned on me the other night, um, or uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what it was, but uh, the fact is that there are only two possible outcomes that are left. Um, number one, the fucking Toronto Raptors win the NBA championship. The Purple Dinosaur franchise um, will will win their first NBA title, the first title for the country of Canada. Um, and they will do that because of Kawhi Leonard. Like, that's uh, already a mind-boggling reality. The only other option, because it's looking now very likely that Kevin Durant will play in Game 5, the only other option available to us at this point, Chris, is that Kevin Durant returns and brings the Warriors back to win three games straight and uh, and, and bring the title back to Golden State, um, which would be as insane a scenario uh in my mind i mean obviously it would mean different things and stuff and have different whatever the the narrative and the storyline would would obviously be completely different but like in terms of just sheer craziness like there's not many things that are more crazy to imagine than the warriors being down 3-1 without kevin durant after all of the fucking you know fuck you know just crazy uh media bullshit about like oh are the warriors better without him blah 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 um and then and now i feel like it's only ratcheting up as like you know with these stories of the warriors being anxious and angsty and 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 impatient about you know his status uh kevin's status and all this stuff and it's like if he comes back and and like single-handedly basically saves this series um in this season for the Warriors. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Like, that would just be insane. So, like, those are the two options. And either one, uh, like, is going to be one of the craziest NBA stories of all time. So, fucking strap in, man. I'm ready for it. Here we go. All right, so, Ben, it's Monday morning. I want to do a brief preview for tonight's NBA Finals uh, Game 5. And, you know, the, the Raptors are leading the Warriors three games to one. But I think... In order to look forward uh, to tonight's game, we kind of need to sort of reflect and like understand exactly what's happened the last few games. Like to, in, sure, in order sure. to process Game Five, we really kind of need to understand how we've gotten to this point, how we how we've gotten to a three-one lead for the Raptors. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, so like, how has Toronto taken a commanding three-one series lead? Um, and you know. Before we get into X's and O's and stuff and breaking down, like, you know, uh, exactly what happened in game four, my my first just, like, big overarching question for you, Ben, is, like, how 
surprised are you with where we're at? Like, I'm not sure either of us really could have expected the series to unfold like this, you know, especially from like a health perspective, like no one's, no one's necessarily anticipating much less like rooting for injuries to key guys like Clay Thompson, who by the way, was absolutely incredible in game four or Kayvon Mm -hmm. Looney, who deserves all the credit in the world for, for playing with like a, broken fucking clavicle bone yeah Um, insane and those those injuries have undoubtedly affected the warriors but um you know i kind of find like all the talk about the warriors injuries at this point you know like the 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 national chatter the the national media chatter about the warriors injuries frankly like is it a bit disrespectful? I mean, or like a means, is is it a means to avoid maybe talking about exactly how good the Raptors have been? You know, at what point can we just admit that the Raptors have been the better team like throughout yeah. the series? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's an, it's inevitable to, to have to talk about the Warriors injuries because they have been really significant, but like, like if you yeah, lose your I, best I, player, if, if you're not playing with your best player, you know, that's, that's a real part of the conversation, of course. Oh yeah. But, yeah. but I do think there is another element to this where, like, let's face it, man, like, the defending champs look kind of bloated. Like, they, yeah. they like structurally, they look kind yeah. of bloated. Like, the way the team was they constructed look- was so top-heavy. And the fact of the matter is, like, yeah, there's also a risk and a danger in structuring a team that way, where if you're banking on performances from, you know, these three to four elite level guys, and if you lose two of them, suddenly you're dependent on the Andrew Bogut's of the world to play mm-hmm. critical minutes in the NBA finals, like it might, hey, guess what? Like Marcus Saul might outplay Andrew Bogut, you know what I mean? Or like, mm-hmm. and, and the... It just the the Warriors have looked to me a bit like the boxer that's caught off guard. I mean, I, mm-hmm. like, I think of like when Tyson went down to to Buster Douglas, right? Yeah, like of course. It just it didn't seem possible. It didn't it didn't seem plausible, right? Until it mm-hmm. seemed entirely possible. Let's face it, like the Raptors have now won 13 of 16 quarters in the NBA Finals. Like, right. at what point can we just start calling them the better team? And, like, and I don't know. I mean, like, we're going to find out tonight, like, it's it's it, it's sounding more and more like Durant is going to play, right? But, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how healthy he's going to, like, I don't know how healthy he is, like, how effective he can be. Um, it's fascinating. We're about to find out like what he can bring to the table here, even if he's at. What is Kevin truly made of? How bad does he want it? How badly does he want it? That's what we're about to find out here, Chris. Is he a true champion? We're, we're about to learn a whole lot about Kevin. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about game four, man. Um, like what the hell happened here? Like what, what happened? How have we found ourselves with the Raptors leading three games to one? So I think that, um, you know, like I said, it's inevitable to, to have to talk about injuries. And Katie's obviously the biggest one. But I think almost as significant was what happened um, at the end of game two when Clay went down, right? That was yep. game two, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And, and Looney in the same game. Um, so in game three, yeah. I feel like game three was the real turning point in the series exactly. because yeah. Clay sat. Uh, Looney sat and um, and Curry came out and gave this absolutely 
you know, prolific, uh, like uh, insane all world performance, 47 points. Um, one of the great finals performances in history, um, carried the team, just did everything. I mean, like literally accounted for like seemingly like 80% of their offense yep. between points, assists, uh, screen assists, you know, blah, 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 everything that he does. Um, but what happened was, and I believe he played, uh, let's see, uh, played, uh, 43 minutes in, in game three, um, just gave everything he had and they lost. Um, and I feel like that was the, the game that Golden State should have just said, okay, we're going to, we're going to punt this one. Clay's out. We don't really have a a shot at this. Let's kind of save everything and put all of our eggs into game four. Um, and, and basically if, if Steph had come out and had that game in game four, along with what Clay did in game four, which was so impressive. Like I, I texted you guys before game four, I was like really worried about him. You know, hamstrings are, uh, you know, are, are really tricky, really serious or easily, uh, you know, easy to re-aggravate them and, uh, and all the movement that he does on offense and everything that would be demanded of him on defense. I was just like, man, I don't know, uh, what this guy's going to be able to do. And he came out and played 42 fucking minutes, scored 28 points on 11 of 18. Um, but, uh, unfortunately because of what Curry had to do in game three, he was completely gassed and shot nine of 22, two of nine from downtown. Um, and he still scored 27 points, but he clearly just wasn't, he just didn't have the, the performance in him. Um, that that was necessary. So I feel like that was a pretty massive strategic error on Golden State's part. Um, like to they kind of tried Paul Curry. You mean right? They kind of tried to go to sort of like split the difference and like go like yeah. like into like no man's land where like they still wanted Curry to to play hard in Game Three to see if they could steal that one without Clay. Um, but then once Clay you know was back, uh, Curry just didn't didn't have enough left. So um, so they uh, yeah I mean. Toronto only scored 105 points in game four. That's not like a crazy amount, but Golden State was held to 92 um, because they, yeah, the, these guys just didn't have, you know, other than Clay, they just didn't have anyone, anyone really doing anything on offense. Yeah, um, I, I want to say too, uh, I, you know, a, a, just a minute or so ago, I was saying like, you know, there, there is, it is fair to like at least criticize or like wonder a bit about the way the Warriors were were structured and put together and you know like maybe that's a criticism of bob myers or whatever it is and you know putting all this like pressure and responsibility on these key four all-star players you know Mm -hmm. cousins draymond clay steph and durant four or five players but i also to that end i also should say like props to those guys because they have all been dealing with injuries and i mean like the fact that boogie cousins is even on the floor is such a testament yeah. to him and how hard he's worked. The fact that like Kevin Durant is maybe going to be playing tonight with like what at times was reported to be like potentially like a torn uh, uh, calf muscle or a grade two strain of his calf muscle. Um, you know, Clay Thompson was dealing with uh, his hamstring injury. Like, I, who who knows even if if Curry is a hundred percent like. These yeah. guys and 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 we got to mention Looney because Looney, he he yeah, came out a a, after clavicle. yeah a, a fractured clavicle or collarbone I don't know what it was um, he was initially ruled out for the entire rest of the of the series uh, and then demanded he himself demanded to get second opinions from other doctors yeah 
um, so he could be cleared to play. And he came out and he gave him 20 minutes, went five of eight from the field in game four. This is, um, you know, grabs uh, six rebounds, three offensive rebounds. And like any minute he was out there, you were like, oh, he's provi- he's just providing a huge, huge boost. And it was clear that the dude was in like massive amounts of pain. Yes. Um, like that's that hard shot. Yeah. Yeah, that hard foul that he took um, when he when he uh, upfaked Ibaka and Ibaka right. kind of came down and landed on, on him, and you were like, "Oh, dude, you just had like a fucking six foot ten power forward yeah. like land on top right. of your injured like torso." A rib. Another rib just broke. Or yeah. Something. yeah, and and Looney went to the line to shoot two free throws, and I was like, "There's no chance in hell he's making either of these free throws because he can like barely lift his arms right. over his head." And sure enough, he missed both. Right, um, I remember that at kind of a clutch moment. I mean, frankly, um, but, the fact but, that the Warriors man. have kept it even this close to me is really yeah. commendable. Like, and, and I don't like, I think you can't, I think it's not one or the other. Like you can, you can, uh, they're not mutually exclusive. Like you can be critical of the way the team was constructed, but also like give props to the way that these guys have handled mm-hmm. being so thin. You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. are, I mean, I, I, if Durant plays tonight, like, I think that's really, I mean, fucking commendable because, I think under any other circumstance, he would not be playing and it wouldn't even be a consideration. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, all, all, yeah, all the reports have indicated he's clearly, you know, they're, they're, they're obviously trying really hard to get him ready and to get him out there. Yeah. They obviously need him. Um, you know, I, I guess I, I heard some report that he was, you know, maybe going to play before game four and they had like a little secret scrimmage to see what he looked like. And he just wasn't there. He just yeah. wasn't ready. Right. Uh, it sounded like it was kind of a Jaylen kind of a Rose, big disaster. Yeah, like he wrote, Jalen Rose reported that he's he was at the practice, saw it, and was like, "I'm not going to get into details, but there's no way he's ready to play." And that was right. like two days ago, three days ago. Yeah, which so, would like, like seem to me like mean like how much yeah. better can he get in in like two more days? Could have changed over. The I mean, I think of- he's they're gonna he's gonna have to. I, I think if he didn't play at all, like. I don't know, man. Even if he has like a severe limp, I think he has to at least like get out there for a little bit and see what happens. Um, I mean, I am so fascinated to see what happens tonight. Uh, I, you know, I'm really not expecting much from him. I can't imagine he's. I mean, even if he were 100 percent healthy and mobile, the guy hasn't played in what like a month and a half. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and he has an injury where uh, you know you can't you can't run, you can't keep your conditioning up. Um, so I really, I don't know. Like it would take a fucking miracle um, and, for and him to come out before and, before the aggregators take this and blow this and totally oh, misconstrue it, Ben. We should oh, hey, say, me- message like, to the aggregators. We're here. not saying that it isn't possible for Kevin to have a brilliant game tonight, and who knows? We're not doubting yeah. the champs. Maybe they come back and you know surprise us all. So all t- to the aggregators, please, Listen, guys. Yeah. You before know, our comments here get splashed all over the blogs. Context, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't want some major story yeah. popping up. Keep us uh, out of your blogs, aggregators. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, Jesus. Jesus. Like, they always. A, they always misconstrue our words. It's just super. Get a life, bad. aggregators. Get a, get a life, uh, yeah, aggregators. You're you're a goddamn cancer to society. That's right. Um, you know the work that you do is is frankly pathetic. Um, and uh, and we hate and we hate you, <laughs> aggregators. So please just keep our name keep our names out of your mouth. Yeah, keep it out of your mouth, Ben. Let's talk about Game Four. So what what did you see in this game uh, that you thought really set uh, set the Raptors apart? I mean, to me, I guess the well, biggest thing is like Kawhi's third. Yeah, quarter, we have to right? talk about Kawhi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to talk about the first quarter mm-hmm. where he scored, uh, I believe, fourteen of the team's seventeen points. Incredible. 
Um, and then, and you know, kept him hanging how around. They, how did they stay in the game? Like, like yeah. that the whole, whole first half, I was like, how is this game this close? Like, Golden State needs to be fucking pedal to the metal here because yeah. the Raptors are, looked bad, and Kawhi just like kept hang, kept him like hanging around. In the first half, Toronto shot two of seventeen from three. Um, but I believe that uh, Golden State only shot slightly better. They were like three of. 15 or something like that. I don't know. If, I forget the exact number, but they, but, uh, but Toronto's D just locked down Curry. Um, and the other thing that they did that was really smart, even though it was a low scoring, uh, first half, um, the pace was really, was really high. Mm. Um, so they were, I think very intentionally, um, and props to Nick Nurse because he's, he's really like, I mean, that dude's stock, uh, has just it's, like, I mean, exploded. Incredible. The door has been absolutely incredible. <laughs> the dork, the dork is having a moment right now. I mean, he was having a moment already, and then I feel like every single move he's made this entire finals has just been like, "Yep, that was that was the right move." Um, and uh, anyway, so they kept the pace uh, really the fast one, to, to help. The, the yeah, he brought the box and one back a little bit one. again. The other to, night, to yeah. force. He only used it for a couple minutes, but, but he. In the third, yeah. But literally, yeah, it was be- it was because of that that uh, Kerr was forced to sub Clay Thompson back into the game sooner right. than he wanted to. Right. Um, everything that they did, their strategy was to just wear uh, Golden State out and, and take advantage of Curry's, yep. um, you know, stamina, which was uh, depleted after game after his game three performance. It sounds so um, simple, but Nurse has been really great at basically identifying the last remaining strengths on the Warriors, right. identifying what that strength is, and literally putting his throat on the neck of the Warriors. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. is this all? Is this your last? Is this the last card you have? Is this the last right. card you're holding? Great. I'm going to yeah. exploit this until you have absolutely no other way to deal with it, but like to get Clay Thompson back in the game. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're you're forced to play uh, Boogie Cousins to try to provide some offense on the floor. Yep. Okay, I'm gonna I'm right. gonna ISO him with Pascal Siakam yeah. we'll and take him pay. to the fucking hole over and over again because Boogie Cousins cannot jump to block a shot. Right and it's now. like merciless, man. Like he just yeah. keeps going back at it and back at it and back at it until it's like almost like embarrassing and like yeah. Kerr is forced to sub out and change. Yeah, they're totally merciless. Yeah, so they're they're down at at um I believe they're down at four by by four at at, at the half uh this is going back to game four and then of course Kawhi uh comes out and like i feel like like at the time i was like wow this this was like a big moment but i i feel like since game four it's like only gone down in in lore like uh like like more and more the the two threes that he hit coming out of the halftime yeah um where he comes down hits a transition three um and then dribbles back down and just spot like just pulls up right in Draymond's face and nails another three. Leonard knocks down another three and the first lead of the night for the Raptors. This that puts like him up first, by one. First couple minutes of the Yeah, the, first the minute half, of, right? the, of the yeah. third quarter. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that puts him up by one. I remember Mark and it Jackson, was like, I think it was Mark Jackson had the call and it was like all of a sudden, it's like all of a sudden the Raptors are up by one point. How the hell? Yeah, like, how they trailed the entire first half. They didn't look like they had any anything going on offense and, they're, and then suddenly they have a one point lead and Kawhi was just like, I got this. Um, and uh, and that's he just continued that throughout the in, the entire rest of the third quarter. Um, he scored 17 points in the third quarter. Uh, at one point, Mike Breen uh, had the call Kawhi dominating right now, and it's just like he was. He was just like fucking cold-hearted assassin. Just uh, yeah, just just like mercilessly, you know, not stopping, just coming and coming and coming again. Uh, and Golden State just didn't didn't have an answer for him. Uh, and then on top of that, um, 
you know, we have to talk about Serge Ibaka, oh, who man. had another awesome game. He had a great game three with six blocks. Um, but yeah, he's coming up huge on offense Dude, now. Ibaka, he scored 20 points in game four. Ibaka has been great all series long. He's someone that, you know, was frankly kind of forgotten a little bit after he left oh, OKC, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. he got traded to the Orlando Magic and was kind of an afterthought. Yeah, and everyone said he was kind of washed up. Yeah, and Masai, then... Masai traded for him. I remember at the deadline, I guess, probably what, like two years ago. And, you know, they because they, they traded for him, they felt like they had to give him a contract and, you know, show him like some good faith and whatever. But we can't stress enough. Like, I, I've just been so impressed with this guy. The, the impact that he's had on the defensive end, shooting deep, shooting the deep ball this year. Like, Ben, at times... At times during the playoffs, he's really looked like the second best player on the Raptors. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a game in, game out thing, but like there are moments when you're like, wait, is Serge Ibaka like, is Serge yeah. Ibaka the second best player to Kawhi? It's like, on oh, the it's, team? it's old OKC Serge Ibaka. Yeah, yeah like one of the yeah. fucking yeah. like best guys on the team. That's right. Um, yeah, he's been crazy. And it's like, it's almost like, feels like he's like been saving it all for like this moment to come back and give him that lift. Um, yeah, he was awesome. At some point, we have to talk about Freddie. Oh, yeah, man. I, I, um, I mean, let's talk about, let's talk. One of the most indelible images uh, I've ever seen on a yeah. on a basketball floor. Ben, can you walk us through your thoughts and feelings when you saw oh, my Fred God. get knocked <laughs> to the floor with a concussion, lying toothless and bleeding from the eye? Immediately, I was so concerned for you. What was running through your head how were you feeling how did you deal with it walk us through your whole your whole process um so i so i saw fred go down in a heap and then quickly the camera cut back over Mm. and he was lying um (laughs) on his back completely motionless yeah. on the floor uh, in the paint under the uh, under the uh, Golden State basket, I also believe. Also important to note that his arms were splayed open, like mm-hmm. Christ-like, and he was yes. bleeding from the head, not unlike Jesus Christ wearing a, 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 like it a was, crown of It was thorns. very Christ-like. Yes. Um, and, and incredibly, the I actually remember the the um, when it happened live, the camera like cut back to him um, uh, somehow they like ca- they caught it before the blood even started trickling, uh-huh. so that you could actually see in real time the blood squirt. The the cut um start to actually produce the blood, and the blood start to pour from his face. Yeah. And I swear to God, I thought that he had like ruptured his eye. Yeah. Like I thought he had like like maybe his eye had, had been like torn out because out. <laughs> I thought maybe he had an eyeball that had been torn out of his skull um because the blood was so close the cut was so close to his eye and it was bleeding suddenly so quickly it looked like it was coming out of his eye um and then trickling down his face uh down the side of his temple uh you know kind of like welling in his ear uh and then like the the camera cut to the side view where you could see the the line of blood coming down the side of his head um meanwhile he's still completely motionless I thought he was absolutely for sure concussed. Possibly, I mean, I didn't know, like, you know, like, he wasn't moving. So, I was like, is he, I don't know. I was extremely, extremely concerned. Of course. It was a gruesome, fucking grisly image to see in the, in the middle of a basketball game. Um, and then, you know, Fred Fred is Fred. He he just kind of, after a few minutes, he, he sat up. He kind of, you know, trainer came over and wiped up the blood and... Uh, <laughs> You know, put the towel over his eye, and uh, and Fred just kind of shook it off, and he stood up, and he walked back to the fucking locker room under his own power. Um, and I was like, Jesus, okay, I guess it was just like a bad cut under his eye. Um, it seems like he still has both eyeballs uh, still intact. 
Um, you know, there was uh, there were no indications that he had, in fact, lost an eyeball. Uh, thankfully, um, and but then so he goes back to the locker room, and then like a few minutes later, uh, the camera uh, pans down and zooms in on a fucking tooth lying in the middle of the paint, and I was like. The dude got hit in the eye. His his eye was bleeding. How did he lose a fucking tooth? Um, and you realize like the arm of uh, Sean Livingston, that which was the inadvertent um, you know elbow that that came down during a during a rebound, uh, basically just clobbered his entire fucking face. Um, and so Fred Van Vliet uh, got seven stitches and in the process uh, chipped a tooth, um, one of his front uh, two two like main front teeth. Um, so a tooth was just like sitting there in the paint before they thought to clean it up. Um, and, uh, and I was extremely concerned. I was pretty sure he was concussed, which means, you know, likely out for, you know, at least another game could be more the whole NBA concussion protocol. Um, you know, it, uh, depends how severe the injury is, but that can take, you know, days, sometimes weeks if it's a severe enough concussion. I just emailed you something. I want you to look at it uh, for the audience (laughs) listening at home. I already uh, put together our episode art for this, uh, for this, for this podcast episode. I love that you, that you knew that that would be the art before you, we even recorded because clearly my longest and most impassioned rant in this entire episode is... Not not about the history of the Toronto franchise or about Kawhi Leonard or about the Golden State Dynasty. No, it would be about Fred Van Vliet lying <laughs> lying prone on the floor with blood pouring from his face. Yeah. Um, you know, I was extremely concerned and worried. Uh, and then uh, thanks to the fantastic intrepid reporting of a one Doris Burke, mm. uh, who... By the way, obviously should be uh, calling the game Clearly. instead of Mark Jackson, yeah. but that's a different story. Um, she reported that uh, Freddie got seven stitches, but there was no concussion, and he was, in fact, available to come back into the game. Uh, they didn't need him uh, for the remainder of game four, but he is healthy and available to play in the remainder of the series um, with uh, seven stitches under his eye and a, and a big-ass bandage. Um and uh, and yeah, I saw. Did you see like Freddie posted on on Instagram? I think like a picture of his teeth, um, okay. and he was like, "Don't worry, I'm gonna get the shit fixed" or something like wow, that. It was really funny. I haven't seen that yet. No. Yeah, very charming. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, also, thank God. I know, mean, thank thank. Aside aside from Freddie's teeth and the bloody eye and and all that, I mean, we should just say that like. He's also just been such a huge part of the Raptors' success in oh, the series. Like, yeah. The defense I mean, that he has played on Curry, like, we can't really have a conversation about Curry struggling in Game 4 without also talking about Fred Van Vliet and his involvement in that. Like, uh, Van Vliet has made Curry's life a living hell, and frankly, like, the pick-and-roll is, like, just not a part of what the Warriors have done throughout the series. It's probably the biggest criticism of Steve Kerr and the Warriors, Mm-hmm. Um, is that like there's just uh, the points in the paint is is non-existent for the Warriors at this point. They're living and dying mm-hmm. with a three ball, and mm-hmm. um, Fred Van Vliet is a big part of that. Like he has deed up Curry and prevented Curry from getting into the paint. And oh. uh, I mean, you know, props yeah. to, props to Fred. I mean, he's 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 been you know worth his weight in gold. I mean, Chris, obviously, my 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 initial concern was from uh, you know a human uh, personal yes. standpoint uh, for Fred. Um, but I I then quickly wrote in my notes uh, in capital letters could be critical. This yes. injury could be critical. Like actually, like get critical to the outcome of the series because he's been so important. Like obviously, he hits those little like clutch threes like. You know, it seems like whenever they really need need one, he'll step up and nail one. Um, but his defense, you're right. Um, I mean, just his his whole kind of 
calm demeanor. He's like a little mini Kawhi out there. Um, you know, clearly not um, not not as impactful as, as Kawhi, but like really, really fucking important. Um, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he played 28 minutes in, in game four, uh, shot two of five from downtown. Uh, in game three, he, he had a huge game, scored 23 points in game three. No, sorry, uh, scored 11 points in game three. Um, but shot shot three of six from downtown um hit and it seems like again like all his three pointers always come at these like kind of clutch like sort of momentum swinging swinging moments um yeah no he's like literally crucial to what they do um and i mean his performance in the in the final few games of the milwaukee series Mm. like i mean Kawhi was like the number one reason they won that series but freddie van vliet was like literally like the number two reason um i mean of course he, he got scorching hot from three um but yeah like he, yeah he's he's just huge um so thank thank goodness um all my prayers that that I that I uh made you know after after Freddie went down were answered he's he's fine he's going to be okay in my head when and, i saw uh, him go down it was like I imagine this is what it must be like when you're at the playground. Like if your son is ever like on the slide <laughs> and if he like falls off the slide and like bumps his knee, you know what I mean? Or has like a owie. Yeah. Like that moment before you understand how severe the injury is when he's just crying. Like yeah. all time stops. Everything just goes silent. And like, we just see yeah. you in like slow-mo, like action hero, like running towards your son. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my God, Fred! Fred yeah. is bleeding from the eye." <laughs> like, bam. you're not far off there, Chris. Yeah. You're really not yeah. far yeah. off. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's just been it's been crazy. Um, I mean, ultimately, like Toronto is just a better team than than Golden State as currently constituted. And it, you know, I don't know if they, if Looney and Clay, you know, hadn't gone down and they were both 100 percent for games three and four, um, you know, how different things would be. It's tough, to, you know. It's obviously tough to say, but uh, but man, it just seems like it. Yeah, like right now, Toronto is just playing so well um, and so like kind of efficient and calm. Um, I mean, they had only nine turnovers in Game Four. Um, we ha- oh, we also have to talk about. All right, so as a fantasy basketball player, I don't mm. know if I've if I've admitted this to you, um, but one of my weirdly favorite category statistical categories. Gross is free throws. Um, There's just something so calming and soothing about knowing like, okay, my team, no matter what, like, you know, things like points and blocks and rebounds are, um, are, you know, can, can kind of vary wildly from week to week. Um, But if you have a good free throw shooting team, you kind of know what you're going to get week in and week out. And it's just such a like little uh, security blanket and uh, that's how I feel about this Toronto Raptors team. In game three, the Toronto Raptors shot 20 of 21 from the line. Uh, that's 95.2%. Yeah. In game four, Toronto shot 23 of 24 from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. That's 95.8%. Yep. I mean, I guess it's just like a small sample size. That's insane. Like that's the greatest free throw shooter in NBA history uh, level of shooting as a, as a team, as an entire team, they're doing this. And yeah, it's just like one of those little things that I think has kind of been overlooked, but it's just like, you know, it, that's actually like hugely important. It's just like a little point here, a little point there, but like anytime they step to the line, you just know, like, 
I don't like I don't know. It's it's hard to quantify um, how how impactful that is in, in terms of just like stopping momentum, you know, cutting into l- little leads here yeah. and there, so that when you do hit a three, it's a it's a one point lead instead of trailing by three. Um, I, I think mean, Golden State is such a momentum game, especially when you're at home. If you're at home mm-hmm. and you're trailing in the series, you really ride on the emotional wave of the the home crowd, and mm-hmm. getting to the line really has a way of like zapping that energy, like draining the crowd a little bit. You know? Yeah, you, exactly. You it stops the play. The yeah. Golden State shot uh, 14 of 21 in in Game Four from the line. That's 67, percent and uh, that's just like. You know, they won they won the game by 13 and they made nine more free throws. Right. So it's like, you know, like the, if that <laughs> that difference like is suddenly it's a different game instead of a, a kind of an easy victory. It's it's suddenly a really tight game and who knows what the hell happens. Yep. So, yep. Um, yeah, I love their free throw shooting. I don't know why it just makes me so like it gives me such a, a satisfying like like it's actually like thrilling to watch that kind of performance from the line like. I don't know. It's hard to it, explain why it's so good, yes. but really makes me happy. All right, thinking about Game Five, Ben. Um, let's let's talk about and think about why the Warriors may get back in the series, or why the Raptors will uh, potentially close this one out. So I want to give a little uh, hat tip here, cap tip to uh, Zach Harper at the Athletic. He wrote a great piece. Everyone mm, should love read Zach. it. Um, the three things that he identified and kind of talked about in a piece that he published earlier yesterday, no, earlier today was, um, you know, three keys were basically the Raptors shutting down points in the paint uh, for the Warriors. Um, the three-point line, that the fact that the, the Raptors have been winning the three-point battle. And then finally, um, third quarters. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. you know, like the Raptors have won the third quarters uh, throughout the series. So uh, I'm curious to know, like, what we think is sustainable, what's not sustainable, what, like, is realistic to expect. Um, one of the biggest things for me is, you know, when we talk about the third quarter is, you know, Kawhi Leonard has been dominant in these third quarters. He's averaging mm-hmm. 13.5 points per game in the third quarter while shooting mm-hmm. 50%, 56% from the field, 54% from three, and been a staggering 91% from the line during th- mm. third quarters. Mm. So, you know, we've become accustomed, I think, as fans of the NBA to, you know, this narrative like, oh, the first half doesn't really matter with the Warriors. They're going to come out at halftime, guns a-blazing, and that'll be that, right? right? It's and what it they've just, always done. It hasn't worked out that way. So is this an it's aberration? Like the- is this an aberration? that they've been losing these third quarters do we expect things to swing back their way or like basically who do you trust here do you trust Kawhi, or do you trust kind of like your are, are we clinging to our memory of what the warriors have been a little bit too much like at a certain point the results are the results and Kawhi leonard and the raptors have been winning these third quarters leonard pull up jumper puts it in Kawhi leonard dominating right now and toronto yeah, I mean, I think right now you you have to just uh, just rely on, on what you've seen with your own eyes, and it and it's crazy, but it almost feels like Toronto and Kawhi like like are aware of of how heavily Golden State has leaned on that um, in in playoffs past, um, and and it's like they go out like single mindedly saying like. No, the third quarter we're gonna stop them. Like surgical, we, like I, it, it's it's like surgical precision. The way we were talking yeah. about Nick Nurse, 
There is mm-hmm. a surgical precision which with which they're dealing with their their opponents' strengths right. and weaknesses. They know exactly what their moves are. They know exactly you know what their yeah. habits and their desires are. They and they're come like, out of the locker room and they say like, "Look, this is when the Warriors win the third quarter. We have to stay with them. If not, win this quarter. That's the only yeah. way this happens." Yeah. And uh, and in the past, when when other opponents would would always just kind of fall apart amid this like you know flurry of, of defense and transition threes instead you have Kawhi Leonard on the other end just being like no no not gonna happen yep. this time and I mean you know again though like <laughs> it's a lot harder to have a, a an avalanche of three-pointers when your only healthy three-point shooter is Steph Curry and they're swarming him or they're putting him in a box in one or whatever um and when your only defender, you know, when your when your defenders on the floor are are people like Quinn Cook and uh, and Jonas Jarebko and uh, you know banged a boogie cousins, it's like y- yeah, like you're not gonna have lockdown defense. So you know, as much as we can say, I mean, it, it's it's obviously a combination of the two things. It's Toronto, um, you know, I, I think like sort of recognizing like this is the the quarter that's going to decide it, and then it's also like Golden State just doesn't have the firepower to do what they you know traditionally do in third quarters, yep. um, and. Uh, yeah, man, that just makes it really, really tough. The other, clearly, yeah, yeah. The other point that Zach made was about the three-point line, right? The three-point mm-hmm. battle. He he points out that the Warriors are fifty-three and eight when they win the three-point battle, but when they lose mm. that battle, that's including the playoffs. But when they lose the battle of the three-point shot, the Warriors are seventeen and twenty-four. They're basically, mm. a, you know, they're they're a league average team, basically, or or worse than a league average team when they lose the three-point battle. And to that mm-hmm. end, when the Raptors. When the Raptors uh, win the three-point battle, they're 55 and 13 this season, and when they lose it, they're 18 and 18. So Damn. basically, you know, like whoever whoever wins that three-point battle, um, whoever wins that third quarter, things are looking promising for them. And then, lastly, you know, points in the paint. We're curious to see if uh, if Kerr can make an adjustment, if he can get into the paint more, try to get uh, Steph and Clay working off the pick and roll a little bit. Um, very curious to see what adjustments get made there for uh, for the Golden State Warriors. I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to. I just can't. I don't see how you know unless Durant just comes out and, and somehow is is old Kevin. Um, I mean, in Game Four, Clay Thompson shot six of ten from downtown, which mm. again, like all the respect in the world to Clay Thompson coming out and yeah. doing that um, on a bad hamstring. The rest of the team was a combined. So uh, Curry made made two two for nine. No one else on the team made a three-pointer. Andre Iguodala was 0 for 3. Quinn Cook was 0 for 3. Draymond 0 for 1. McKinney 0 for 1. And that was it. <laughs> and, yep. like, they just don't have shooting. I mean, Quinn Cook is their only other reliable shooter. It's incredible that we... And Toronto was, like... Saying Golden State doesn't have enough shooting. Like, yeah. imagine oh, yeah, yeah. two years ago or three years ago. Uh, like, that was the it, whole thing about this team, yeah. right? Was that they were just going to outshoot everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy. It's like, you know, the league adapts and everyone, everyone finds their own shooters, right? People stre- just keep stretching and stretching and stretching the game. Like you find a Pascal Siakam, you find, you find a Marcus Saul that can shoot threes at, from the center position. All of a sudden it's like they outdid mm-hmm. the Warriors. They've out mm-hmm. the Warriors. Um, yeah. Ben, last question for you before I let you go uh, is let's just talk quickly about Durant. Like what's, what's running through this guy's head? Like, Oh, uh, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine like what we get from him tonight. Is it what what's fair to expect from him? Uh, and you know, like uh, it's interesting. You know, like I was saying about the surgical 
surgical precision, the mentality of the Raptors. It seems like the Raptors have really adopted the psychology and the just incredible, ferocious, like mental edge of Kawhi Leonard. Like Kawhi mm-hmm. really does seem to be like the mental uh, and spiritual leader of that team. Yeah, and the unflappability. Yeah, yeah just, just exactly. Unflappable. You talked about the way the Warriors walked off the court, all business-like, almost like emotionless. The Raptors, you mean? Yeah, the, the Raptors. Business-like. Uh, emotionless, almost robotic. We we at this point, it's like a national joke about like how robotic Kawhi is. Mm-hmm. Um, his his love for red a- apples obviously <laughs> has uh, has taken on a, a viral quality. Incredible. Um, uh, by the way, shouts to that guy. Um, shit, I wish I could uh, remember his his Twitter handle. I started following him as you know thousands of other people probably did after that tweet. That dude is actually legit, really funny. He makes these. Um, if anyone uh, uh, hasn't. Uh, doesn't know what we're talking about this this tweet went viral i guess over the weekend um a guy uh, a guy like made up a story um and you know like clipped it so it looked like it was from a news article and uh it made up this like story about like Kawhi at a restaurant with popovich um and like ordered is this uh guy or mike like carmelengo or is that yeah or, yeah but. yeah yeah mark mark camerlengo yeah so it reads um uh, while with the Spurs, Kawhi was known for his love of red apples. One time after practice, everyone decided to go out for a team dinner. When it was his turn to order, Kawhi waved off the waiter and instead pulled out a bag of 12 apples. Coach Popovich asked what he was doing, and Kawhi simply repo- replied, Apple time, apple time. He then ate all 12 apples with a knife and fork. Um, and like literally like a bunch of people like didn't realize it was a joke and were just like retweeting it. And then, of course, everyone realized it was made up. Um, but the thing completely blew up. Uh, and normally I'm like, okay, viral things on Twitter are like kind of dumb and mm-hmm. whatever. Like, um, they're like, you know, they blow up and then the next day everyone forgets them. Uh, but this dude is, is legit really funny. I went through the rest of his feed and he makes these, um, he's like a comedy writer, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he makes these like one minute long movie recaps, um, where, which you should really check out. He does them for like eighties movies, like Karate Kid and Rocky four. And, uh, I think he did Teen Wolf and like Jaws. Um, and he just like like recaps the entire movie in a minute, but it's, it's very, very funny. Uh, and I recommend everyone, uh, check him out. Um, anyway, yeah. getting back to Kawhi, <laughs> no, what were we talking about? No, it's interesting just that like how the, I was saying like the Raptors really seem to have adopted his like personality yes. and his like approach and his like no nonsense approach to like life and basketball. And it's become almost like a running joke at this point, like how robotic mm-hmm. that he, he is, mm-hmm. uh, how, how literal he answers yes. every question, yes. <laughs> which I love. And I would say on the flip side of that coin, um, it's interesting to me with Durant and the warriors, how much the conversation, whether it's their fault or not. And I will lean on, I will lean to the side that it's like not really their fault, but like so much of the conversation about Durant is like, what's happening next year? Where is he going? Mm -hmm. Is he going to Mm -hmm. the Knicks? Is he going to be with the Nets? Is he going to be with the Clippers or the Lakers? This like whole like obsession with the off season and free agency. It does seem like there is this, this like this constant um, buzz, this constant sort of like distraction, this constant like non basketball story always surrounding mm-hmm. them. And with Kawhi, he's managed just to make it a non story. Like he's like right. Kawhi is the and most of course, uninteresting, interesting guy. Like he's the most fascinating yeah. guy that's absolutely vanilla. You know. And the ultimate irony, of course, is that um, you know the the kind of. Uh, 
like apex of, of this uh, you know question and and tumult uh, around Durant is concerning this injury and like whether or not he's like how injured is he really like uh, are they being honest about the injury is he being honest about the injury is he you know why isn't he playing why isn't he back at blah, blah blah after all of last season when that story was about Kawhi Leonard and you know sitting out the season That's true. Uh, his last season with the Spurs um, and I mean obviously I don't in in both of those cases I don't believe that that uh, either player is could conceivably be at fault. I think it's totally insane and stupid and ridiculous for anyone to to question yeah. the will of an NBA basketball player to, yeah. to play in a game. Um, you know, Durant had <laughs> suffered a really, really bad injury. Um, and uh, and obviously, you know, he, he wants to play as, as soon as he's physically able. Dude, I um, think he's dying to play. Everything I know about Kevin Durant is he is obsessed with basketball and is obsessed with winning at basketball. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the greatest all-time players ever, obviously. Yeah. And there is nothing he would rather do than, like, shut up all the haters and, like... Do you know what I mean? Like, there was nothing he would rather do than win the NBA championship. So the oh, fact, my God, of course. The, the fact that he... The fact that that's like very unclear if he's even going to be able to get on the court is like a little concerning to me because yeah. I know he is dying, dying yeah. to laugh at all of our asses. Oh, um, yeah. So, I mean, the greatest fucking story. I mean, already his legacy has been, you know, burnished immeasurably by the fact that the Warriors are falling apart without him. Um, and that whole question of whether or not is the, are the Warriors better without Kevin Durant is like the most laughable notion in the world. Right. Um, uh, e- even though it was like a legitimate question, like, like you, two weeks ago, you can't take that with you to the basketball hall of fame. Like they don't, they don't chisel that on your plaque. Like right, then he right. got hurt and everyone yeah. said that the team was more fun and they wound up losing. <laughs> and like, yeah. he was laughing in his bedroom. Like, that, like that doesn't, you don't take that with you to the hall of fame. Right. Like, right. Everyone, That's not yeah. given the two options. You would rather have a ring than be like spiteful and right. Yes, um, obviously. Yeah, so. Um, all right. Anyway, yeah, man, anyhow, we're gonna. I'm gonna wrap it up here, Ben. Uh, the NBA Finals continue tonight, Game Five in Toronto. The Raptors are trying to win their first uh, NBA championship in franchise history. The the city of Toronto is trying to win their first professional championship. I think in 20, 25 years. Uh, mm. It will be very exciting. Uh, ben, we will touch base with you later in the week as soon as uh, we get an idea about where the series is moving. Um, yep. Thanks for hopping on the I, line, man. Always fun talking I, to you. I can't I can't believe that this NBA season is almost over and we can all turn our attention to Holy Moly on ABC <laughs> this summer. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be Holy Moly season very soon. I, <laughs> I couldn't be more excited for that. So good. So good. Thanks, yeah. man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. All right, Take it easy. All right. That was a conversation with Ben. Hope you enjoyed it. My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at me at onthelinepod underscore pod. Find me on Instagram. Check out previous episodes on our website, onthelinepodcast.com. Rate, review, subscribe to the show in Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Have a great week. Enjoy watching the NBA Finals tonight, and I will talk to you guys in a little bit.